Welcome to A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends. When Matt Hammerski was serving the Lord in the music field, he felt the call to return to his hometown and to start a church. He sits down to have a conversation with Doug about following your calling and not your potential on today's episode. Make sure to visit a awordinseasonpodcast.org at the end of this message, and you'll find resources that Doug and the team have provided for you, including the notes from today. Learn how you can let others know that somebody cares with a donation that will support disaster response and ministry efforts by clicking on the Somebody Cares tab at awordinseasonpodcast.org. Now let's join our host, Doug Stringer. I really wanted to talk a little bit about your journey, but also when I went to minister at your church recently, I noticed one of the shirts, so I ended up buying one, and it says, you were born for more. What a great statement. In fact, I was just near Port Lavaca, and I was speaking on a Friday night and a Saturday night. I shared with them, I said, you know, every boy and girl dreams for a chance at greatness. Mm-hmm. But somewhere along the way, many of them forgot their dreams and end up living in regret. Part of that is not intentional. Part of it is because though we are all born for more, mm-hmm. and I love that statement, but at the same time, life has its issues. We all end up going through disappointments and mm-hmm. pains and struggles that we forget those dreams of our childhood, and then life happens. Right, Matt, I want you to tell me, first of all, a little bit about your journey. What do you do and why do you do it? On a personal note, how have you overcome by the, the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony? Because many of us, we have a visions of grandeur. We end up going into what God's called us to do. But then we also hit brick walls or we hit those distractions or, or those unexpected detours in life. How have you overcome some of those in your life? So I have the privilege of pastoring a church plant. We're about two and a half years old now. And the church name is Risen Name. We meet right outside of Deer Park in Pasadena. We're, you know, set up, tear down every Sunday. Uh, we have the blessing to be meeting in an event center. It's got lots of rooms, giving us lots of room to grow. And man, we've just been seeing God really move in a mighty way. So what I do is I, I love love people. I point them to Jesus. I, uh, I preach the gospel. As a good good friend and mentor of mine, Jerry Holman always says, I just show up. You know, I've learned how to do that well in this season, just show up for people. You know, there's always been this desire in me. I've been in ministry since I was around 20, 21. Uh, I was a youth pastor for several years, and it's always been my heart to really impact the world and, and see true measurable change mm-hmm. uh, in our community. I believe the church as a whole, that is its DNA. Mm-hmm. to bring change, to change cultures. We see that with the, the early church, you know, mm-hmm. that they really changed things. Not only did they change things, but they changed things in a climate that was hostile to the church, that was literally murdering the church, but yet they still changed the entire, you know, face of the culture. Yeah, um, though they were world upside down. Yeah, exactly, uh, which is what Jesus did when he, he comes. He takes 12 men, 12 outcasts, really, and uh, rejects and changes the world. So I believe that is the role of the church. I also noticed that there's a few millennials and those who are yeah. really raising up another generation. Yeah. Like Psalm 68 is talking about raising up a new generation to help them put their hope in God. You know, there's so much conflict in the world today. And thank God there are those like yourself that are saying yes to God. Mm-hmm. You've had some experience in the church. You were young when you responded to the Lord. But we all have had our journeys, right? We've yeah. all gone through trials and different different challenges. What I noticed about what you're doing is that you actually decided after traveling all over the country, being in a Christian rock band and yeah. doing other things, that you went back to your hometown, the very place you ran, you, you ran with different people and friends, mm-hmm. because God put a burden in you to go back to your Jerusalem, so to speak. Yeah. And it's amazing what God has done. You said two and a half years, but it's amazing what God has done yeah. watching your church in this last couple of years 
and just see the multi-ethnicity, yeah. multi-generational. Uh, and there's a passion you guys are carrying to really be born for more. Yeah, we, you know, originally I wanted to leave. I mean, pretty much my entire life I wanted to leave where I grew up. I didn't want to stay there. It was a small town. And I would always tell people it's in a bubble. You know, it's it's, own, it's own world. It's like... Everything else is going around. We, we were clueless. We're in our own little bubble. And I always wanted to leave. I had many plans to leave. And even like you said, you know, even to the point of uh, doing great things for God, you know, in music and, and things like that. But ultimately, I knew, you know, I always say I don't want to just follow my potential. I want to follow my calling. Mm. So ultimately, knowing that's not really truly my calling. And I knew God was calling me back to this hometown that I grew up in. And I believe it was you who told me that I already had the authority there, which was true. But, you know, we already had so many relationships. I had relationships that I invested in for years, not because I wanted anything out of it, just because I believe in investing in relationships. Mm -hmm. And because of that, you know, we immediately had this team of very talented people, but people with a heart that believes that something great can come out mm -hmm. of this little town and not only impact our community around us, but really, you know, our state, our region, you know, and, and our goal is to get back to what church really should look like. Mm -hmm. You know, we talk about the ecclesia and what it, its true intention was and get back to doing church the way it was meant to be. And right. we talk about that, of being born for more, that the church was born for so much more than what we're seeing now. And I've heard you preach on that. I mean, that's immediately why I connected with your message. It was always like there was this passion, this drive that we want to change things. Uh, you know, and a mutual friend of ours and uh, a mentor of mine, Mike Rosas, you know, same thing, yeah. this drive to change the world. That's what attracted me to Mike. Right. Uh, you know, it was this talk of revolution and, and let's change things. And that call to come back home was like this starting place. And I didn't know what it would look like. But when we started, we just started seeing God show up in amazing ways. And just like you said, we've got a multi-ethnic, multi-generational church. I figured we'd just have a bunch of young families because I'm, I'm young. But to have guys that I'm pastoring that are not only... 30, 40 years older than me, right. uh, but some of them have been in ministry longer than I've been alive, and they call me pastor, and that I don't really fully know how to... Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think there's know. a lot of factors in that, Matt, because as long as I've known you, I've seen an authenticity in people like yourself and others I'm beginning to meet that mm. you're not going with the flow of the current culture. You're wanting to see God's culture yeah. change the culture, but you've had this heart of you tend to honor, even when you do things uniquely and differently... Mm. And even with those who may disagree with you, you, you have a, a great respect and honor for other people. And I think there's something in that that God honors that. Yeah. It's attractive to God. The first time I went to your church, you were meeting in a house. Mm -hmm. And then to see the explosion, I, you know, I've been around a few decades. To see the, God's favor on you and on your congregation is mind-boggling. I mean, it just it multiplied exponentially. And then most recently when I've come to, to minister at your church, to see, I, I was almost in tears. Because as I'm looking around and seeing the dynamic, and it was exciting, but it wasn't fake. It was yeah. real. There was something of this genuine desire for the presence of God and people that from different backgrounds, yeah. people that are needy, people that want to be in ministry, people that are, it was like a, just eclectic gathering that really just blesses me. And the way, see the way you interact with them and the respect they have for you tells me a lot about your leadership. You know, I, I've learned from a lot of great people, including yourself. There is a lot in millennials, right, that... Um, want to kind of pioneer their own thing, don't really want to connect with previous generations, want to, and since I think it was at a conference you were at, Leonard Sweet spoke, and mm. uh, man, just blew, you know, blew my right, mind all over right. the place, <laughs> but uh, he talked about that, about the anchor. My generation in particular, we're just cutting the anchor, throwing it away, you know, and it was representative of our tradition and where we came from and all this, and just kind of getting rid of it, and the problem with that is now we're just 
aimlessly wandering, and you do see an increase of progressive Christianity that really isn't Christianity at all. It's so wandered away from doctrinal truth, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that we've disconnected from the previous generation. Mm-hmm. And so the, the, the heart cry of me is to have as many spiritual fathers, honestly, as I can gain, mm-hmm. um, because I see the value and see the the what you know your generation has done. And I don't want to start over in some other weird direction. I want to continue on that path and but go higher because we started where you know you you have pioneered all the way up to this point saying we can carry this even further. So that's been always been a big deal to me. Honor is a big deal to me. I feel like that's you know, that's the currency of heaven, you know, when you honor people. And my generation I think needs to understand that when it says in the book of Joel and also Acts two mm-hmm. that in the latter days that there'll be young men will have visions and and young women prophesy, and old men shall dream dreams. Well, the reality is many of my generation who were the visionaries when we were young, now we are the ones that will only see our dreams fulfilled if we can see this new prophetic visionary generation that's emerging and empower them so that way we can see our dreams accomplished. And so for me, I think it's important for us to release your generation and you may look different, sound different. You know, sure. I'm seeing, uh, I always joke with you about this, you guys are cool and anointed at the same time. And I know I know, authentic versus made up, you know, showmanship. Yeah. But you guys have an authenticity of a passion in worship, yeah. skilled at it, but at the same time, it comes from this spiritual diaphragm that says, I want the realness oh, yeah. of God, the presence of God. Yeah. At the same time, you carry a justice part mm. that has not said, okay, it's either justice or it's righteousness. It's justice and righteousness. Yeah. So you've adhered to doctrine. Mm-hmm. At the same time, you've expressed it in a way that's very real and tangible yeah. and showing areas of justice, including social justice. And I'm not talking about the secular social justice. No. I'm talking about biblical social justice, yeah. which is of God. Yeah, yeah. So I've seen you being able to, to balance that. I know yeah. it can't be an easy juggle, but how do you do that and how do you continue to cast this vision for your congregation that they can do more without giving up the depth of consecration to God. Yeah, uh, the big thing is kingdom culture. You know, that's what we push is what does the kingdom look like? Because, you know, when Jesus, you know, I feel funny, especially preaching this to you because I know you know all of this. But, you know, when Jesus was, um, you know, preaching, when he was here walking on earth, he preached the kingdom. I mean, he talked about the kingdom more than anything. Right. He talked about the kingdom and that he was the kingdom and the kingdom has come. And, and we read this, your kingdom come, your will be done as this invitation of, you know, heaven on earth. You know, I think too many times we've made the mistake of, and past generations that were so focused on getting to heaven, but yet Jesus died to get heaven in us. And so that is what we push as a church is that we want to see heaven come to earth, that we want to see heaven invade earth. And this is our desire is, you know, we have, um, you know, you're talking about worship, you know, our worship team. I mean, all of those people on our worship team, you know, all of our back home, all family, you know, all of them, they love Jesus mm-hmm. and they just want their reward is his presence. Mm-hmm. That's what they look for. They don't come to get any kind of gifts or, you know, any kind of praise, you know, they're there to give him praise, but they really want to be in his presence. That's the reward. That's the treat. You know, that's what we're after. And so I think as you keep that number one, you will see things line up like justice, right? you know, but even in justice, you begin to see God's way of justice and it's, you know, his, it's his mercy that leads to his justice, Mm -hmm. you know, how they're so connected. And that, that's hard for us to comprehend. Well, there's two points here that you made that I want to touch on. Yeah. Because, you know, the one thing I look at, and, you know, my generation, we we taught on this, and I still talk about this, to discern the difference between authentic versus fluff. Dr. Cole used to say high gloss, cheap merchandise. Yeah. So we can put a lot of gloss and make things look really good, but there's Mm -hmm. no substance to it. Yeah. I call that a form of 
costume jewelry Christianity or, or you know yeah. cosmetic Christianity. Yeah. What we need is the authenticity of the presence, the manifest presence of God. With so much commercialization of even worship today, yeah. how have you been able, because your worship team is, they really want God's presence and, and they really want to, to be there to worship God, but also to help others find that place. Yeah. I, I come across a lot of worship leaders or people involved in worship ministry. Yeah. It's a gig. Yeah. It's um, what do I get out of it? Yeah. You know, hey, uh, looking at their watch, you know, when's this guy going to shut up? Or It's all these different, you know, there's different mentalities. How have you been able to keep the purity of these who could actually go out and do gigs? And yeah. they, they probably do yeah, yeah. make extra income. But yet they come to church at Risen Nation, and it really is about, I really want to, to be a bond servant of the Lord. I really want to be one who serves God and serves people. I think, you know, it, it does. It starts with the vision of, like I said, kingdom culture of what we were after. Like my story, you know, I've grown up in church. I've seen behind the curtain. Mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of the politics that goes on. And we even talked a lot at this conference currently at, about how I've seen church staff be treated worst I mean, it'd be illegal to treat yeah. them that way in the business world, right? which is sad when the, you know, it's like, that's backwards. Right. And so many of the people that are with me in really core leadership have seen that too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when we talk about what it would look like to really have a kingdom centered church, to not be trying to compete with other churches, but really pushing the kingdom. And then even in worship that we're about his presence, you know, we believe in excellence. Don't get me wrong. We, we want things to sound the best that they can. We are worshiping the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. It should be the best. Mm-hmm. We bring the best, but, mm-hmm. but more than that, it's a heart of after after his will, after his heart, and wanting to see the kingdom invade earth, mm-hmm. you know, and, and really setting that with intimacy. You know, we believe what we sing because we're intimate with him. Well, out of that, then, you've heard me teach on Isaiah 1 that all of our gatherings get together, even the raising of our hands to pray. God yeah. says, I don't regard them. And you think, well, wait a minute, God, you don't regard prayer and presence and yeah. getting together? But that's not his point. His point is, look, all that's good, but you're making sacrifices for the wrong reason. What he wants us to do is to be a people Mm -hmm. who look at the injustice of the world, to look at the shedding of innocent blood, to look at uh, the taking care of the widows and the orphan. Then when you combine the two, then prayer and presence and worship is important. It's not one or the other. it's, It's combined. And you've been able to do that through this passion for worship and God's presence. But out of this kingdom culture you've created, it's in you because mm-hmm. characteristics of the kingdom emanate from the, the character of leadership and the character of the King Jesus in you. Yeah, yeah. But I've seen incredible ministries that are percolating, are growing through being rooted at Risen Nation in your relationships that are emerging. I mean, even yeah. from foster care, orphan care, taking care of the widow. There's so many things that already come in two and a half years. It's amazing to me what you guys have been able to connect with. Yeah. um, You know, Kingdom Care is a big ministry that has developed. uh, You know, we've we've had the passion for the orphan, me and my wife. We personally foster and we've seen the system and how broken it is. And then also, of course, our connection with Mike and Lovebot, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, having the orphanage in Columbia, which took 10 long years of blood, blood, sweat and tears to finally see uh, girls in this home that we took so long to build. That, I believe, is really at the center of the heart of the gospel and, and and for the church to not to have given up and I speak specifically the church in the West we've given that responsibility and essentially that blessing to somebody else mm-hmm. we no longer to take care of that mm-hmm. and so I believe as a church one of the big things we need to do is step back into that arena mm-hmm. and and really take care of the the widow the orphan you know mm-hmm. and 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 take care of the foster care 
problem that we're having right now of, of shortage of homes and you know these kids are orphaned and mm-hmm. you know we who serve a heavenly father who adopted us you mm-hmm. know it is our job to step in and, and we have the compassion mm-hmm. and the ability to do so and we have the resources and the tools we're just not using them mm-hmm. uh, and so that really came at the heart of it is that we want to do things the kingdom way and I think just like what you're saying because of that obedience and that saying we're going to put first things first when we come in with our worship it's just a different experience I don't know how to um, and this is from somebody that's done worship for years I mean and I've played all over and I've, I've been an amazing don't me wrong I've been in powerful services and conferences mm-hmm. but there is it's like what you're saying an authentic there is this authenticity when you're in worship on a Sunday at, at Risen that's it's just so hard I sit there in awe and just think wow just the presence of God it's so Real, and you've got people coming from so many different backgrounds Catholic, Methodist, Baptist, whatever, doesn't matter. They come in and they all say the same thing. Why am I experiencing what I'm experiencing? Why do I feel the way you know I feel this freedom and this this love, you know, during worship? And it's drawing me, I want more. I don't fully understand some of these things yet, but I, I just want more of it. Well, because of that, are you finding more people stepping into this destiny or even a calling they didn't even know they had? They're going, Oh my gosh, they're yeah. connecting because. You know, I call it the ministry of presence yeah. that I've learned from friends that, that sometimes just showing up, as you said earlier, that Jerry's taught you, yeah. by showing up, just worshiping God, all the other things begin to, to fall off to the wayside. Yeah. We get a focus of what our greater destiny or legacy is so we can be born for more. Mm-hmm. How did you come into that being a, such a main theme of your church? Because I do, I've seen so many people in your church have been in ministry a long time, mm-hmm. to those that are new believers, to those who are just still trying to search what who yeah. God is, but there's a sense of in some in percolating in them that says yeah. there is more. Yeah. How have you kind of created that culture? So even from the, the start, you know, we, we had this little tagline, uh, skeptics welcome. Mm-hmm. And so inviting people to come in and just experience the goodness of God. Because mm-hmm. I, I do, I'm a big believer that, uh, you know, Christ is attractive. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I really feel like we've just been representing him wrong. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you represent him right, he's very attractive and mm-hmm. people come. But, you know, we've seen a lot of people that come from hurt. And, you know, they, they've been hurt in church before. Maybe they even served or maybe they even pastored somewhere and they were hurt. And they pretty much walked away from it and said, I'll never do that again. And then they've come in the doors and they start to say, oh, this is nice. I like this, but I don't really want to serve. And then a couple of weeks in, all of a sudden they're coming to me. Oh, God's given me a vision for this ministry. You know, and, and but I'm just waiting because we have so much vision for what we know God wants to do, but I knew immediately I don't know how to do any of these things. Mm-hmm. The orphan, orphan care, for instance, Kingdom Care, that's uh, our orphan care pastors, Julius and Shanda. He came to me after me knowing him for a week. And he said, can I be the orphan care pastor? And I was like, I've never heard of that. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Let's do it. <laughs> you know? and, and so things like that. But that's that culture of being saying, okay, we're born for more. Right, we have um, there's this capacity, but we just got to give God our yes. And so many people, I think, seeing that when they do bring what they have, and we don't look down on it or say, "Oh no, that'll never work," but we actually take things and we try them. Sometimes they don't work. Sometimes sure. we say, "Okay, well, that, let's figure something else out." But a lot of times they have worked, mm-hmm. and not only have they work, they've really become their own ministry that's being birthed out of this thing, and it's a mm-hmm. kingdom thing. And I think a lot of times churches think, "Oh, well, that takes away from the church." Mm-hmm. And so we get scared of empowering other things. But that also takes a lot of pressure off of a pastor. Yes. Because you're not having to do everything. Yeah. It's wonderful. You're, you're just helping empower vision and dreams. That is exactly, 
I feel like as, as a pastor, right, as a lead pastor or whatever you want to call it, you know, the planning pastor, you've been given the vision and that's what you're here to steward. Mm-hmm. And I also tell people, I kind of describe it as like, it's like a skeleton, right? Like I, I have the, the vision, the layout, but yet I, all of this stuff has to be filled in. And some of these things I know, they're, what they're created to do is to be raised up and sent out. Mm-hmm. They're not meant to be kept here, mm-hmm. you know, and say, oh, it's all for us. Because a, a ministry like Kingdom Care, that needs to be in every church mm-hmm. in America. Like that needs to be something we're actively empowering the church to get involved mm. with foster care and bring them the support and training they need to do it. Because most people aren't even aware that, you know, you actually get paid to foster. A lot of people don't know that. I've seen so many people who say that, oh, well, adoption, oh, it's so expensive to adopt. And you're like, actually, no, it, it literally costs you nothing. Mm. <laughs> most people don't even know that. Mm-hmm. And so when you start to spread awareness, people know. And that's why we have so many foster families in our church now mm-hmm. is because they see other people doing it and they see the support system they have and they say, you know what? I I feel called to do this Mm. and you empower them to do it. So just like you're saying, creating that culture where if you're willing to give your yes and you bring what you have, people have seen God take it and multiply it. Just like I'm always reminded of, you know, the loaves and the fishes, you know, I, I, it's funny. I think it was Philip or whoever the the boy comes up to initially and Philip says, well, there's these fish, but what good is that? You know, I'm thinking of the boy who's literally surrendering all he has and Philip's over here like, yeah, but what good is this? Like, what a way, you know, like there's too much to do. How many people can you really feed with that? Yeah. Like how good is this? And I feel like people have been in churches. I know I've been in churches where I brought what I had. And said, oh, what good is that? That's really not going to make much impact. And they turn it away Mm. instead of getting it in the hands of Jesus and watching Mm. him multiply it to what it's meant to be. And so I feel like that's something we do well. Mm. And because of that, we see people empowered. We see people. I mean, we've already had people come out, uh, get raised up, and they become youth pastors in another church. And they're still in fellowship. They still come to one of our community groups. They're Mm. still in community. They're still getting poured into and supported. Now, there's a good point. You talk about kingdom culture. Mm -hmm. That is, you know, you you know my coin statement that while men reach for thrones to build their own kingdoms, Jesus Jesus reached for a towel to wash men's feet. By understanding big K versus little K, Mm -hmm. man's kingdom versus God's kingdom, by giving it away, God's multiplying and blessing you. It's like the more you raise up and send out, the more God keeps giving you to steward. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. I mean, again, in two and a half years, it's just mind-boggling to me. Like you said, even with the food pantry, you know, mm-hmm. we had I had members come to me. And what's interesting about some of this, too, is, you know, I've, I'm now, it's crazy. I don't pastor all the same people that agree with me politically. Right? Right. Go figure. Right. <laughs> so, you know, I even had situations that people were like, well, I don't think we should do that because of this or that. I don't agree with them. I'm part of saying, hey, we're after the kingdom. Like, if you can't get on board, we love you, but... Yeah. You, you don't have to stay. And these are the things people had come. You know, uh, we had this couple, uh, John and Tara, they came to us and they wanted to start a f- food pantry. And I'm like, we don't even have a building, right? Like, in my mind, that's my first thought. I was like, we don't, we don't have a building. We got tons of things we need to focus on first. But my first instinct, that was my first instinct. And the Holy Spirit said, yeah. And I said, yeah, why not? And then sure enough, somebody raised up and said, hey, I have this office space available. I'll donate it. That can be the food pantry. Wow. And so we immediately had a food pantry that now operates in the city and we give out and do all sorts of things. But ultimately we do, we want to build a community center that's active every day in the week. And we've already got somebody on our team who's, that's literally what they want to do. They want to direct that thing. They want to, they're passionate about it. So that's what I'm saying is, is God's given the vision mm-hmm. and now he's sending the people. And that was something he told me early on was that if you let me, I'll build it. And it's interesting that he would say that, right? If you let me. But like, what's our tendency? No, 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 I got it. I got it. Yeah. Right? Instead of trusting him, even though sometimes, uh, actually a lot of the time, his ways seem like that doesn't make sense. Why would that work like that? But then mm-hmm. it does. And he gets mm-hmm. all the glory. So really, you've been able to partner with the Lord in this kind of inertia that you, that came out of your heart with God. And he's already bringing the right people. Yeah. 
and every aspect of this multiplicity of, of what God's doing with you mm-hmm. guys. When you first were called, because you were, again, traveling everywhere. Mm-hmm. I think one of the, you guys were on Billboard, other <laughs> things in the band you were in, and then you opened up for Skillet. And, mm-hmm. and that takes me back a few years, because I remember Skillet when they were, like, really young. Yeah. You know? and I remember even Leonard Ravenhill would speak to me as a young man and say he'd been praying for my generation to be raised up. And I find myself being the older guy now, praying for your generation to be raised up. Not that I want to stop, I'm just, but I feel like I want to see this multi-generational emergence of of this preparing the way for the coming of the Lord. And seeing you and seeing Mike Rosas and seeing so many of other friends that really have captured this heart of God Mm. and really thinking outside of the normal uh, realms of thinking, and saying, how do we take God's kingdom, and as you said, heaven on earth, how do you bring this kingdom manifested in a world of divisiveness, in a world of conflict, in a world of wars and rumors of wars and pandemics, yeah. and yet you thrived even through the pandemic. You started yeah. the church just before the pandemic. Yeah, thanks for that word, yeah. So, well, yeah, go ahead and tell us that, because you, you remind me of this, that's like, you just blow, the simplest things that we tell each other yeah. can mean everything to someone. Well, and that's what we talk, you know, even talking about that is like, you know, how important it is to share what the Holy Spirit gives you when he gives you a word for somebody, because you might not think it's a big deal in the moment, mm-hmm. but it, it was a huge deal. And so we were sitting at a conference uh, and afterwards and, and talking, and it was late at night, and you were ordering. Uh, coffee because you're a party animal and uh, <laughs> we're sitting there me you and Mike and Mike had let you know that we were going to plant a church and you started to say in 2020 because that was originally our plan we we're going to plant in 2020 we had made those plans and again when we started the saying we are not part we didn't have any organization I had my, Mike of course backing me which is uh, wonderful I mean right. to have him in your corner um, but then you know we didn't have a planning organization we had no seed money we had no finances at all we were just going to put it out there we're planting a church if you want to come be involved so this. you didn't do the standard Okay, let's go to some big denomination that's going to fund us to do that. No. Because I've seen so many church plant movements yeah. fizzle. Because yeah. as many church planters that get out there, they have the funding initially, but it fizzles because they haven't carried the passion of God that God had given them. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is, is if, if God has called you to it, he'll provide for it. That's right. And so do we really believe that? Right. And so that's where the rubber went the road for me. But, you know, we stepped out in this calling and, and we did all these things. And, you know, so starting out, that's where we started. So it was very, a little nerve wracking. So we, we thought, well, we'll take a year and plan, really give ourselves some good cushion. And so I was planning on driving for Lyft and doing what other side jobs I could at the time to get by and you know my wife as well and then when you sat down and we said we're going to plant in 2020 Mike told you that and you looked at me and said you're not going to plant a church in 2020 and I and I really thought and you know I have a lot of respect for you and and you know everything you've done and I see your ministry and just like you're saying authentic I see that in you and that's why I'm like man I want that you know and I want to be authentic and I want to be like that and legit as I like to say somebody that's legit and you said that and I thought oh I'm about to get rebuked you know like I'm about to be told no you're you're wrong don't plant a church it'd be horrible you know just that's where me and my mind went and you were like no you're gonna plant a church in 2019 and I thought oh no that's not no that's impossible that was the first and you were like and you even said this like I'm not saying this is thus saith the Lord but I feel very strongly that you should plant a church in 2019 don't wait and again because of the level of honor and respect I had for you and your ministry I took that and I said okay well there's something to this and I began to pray through and I felt like okay yeah and we decided to launch Easter 2019 and I mean, again, we our first service, I think we had over, we had like 132 people. I mean, it just took off. Funding started coming in. People just started giving. We didn't have to. We don't pass the plate. We don't push out. Oh, this is give, give, give. You know, we don't do any of that. People just give because God moves on their hearts, you know, and it grew really fast. And then 2020 rolls around, which we're thinking, yeah, we're coming up one year anniversary. And then the pandemic happened. And I think back to that word you gave me and I'm like, wow, if we would have planted in 2020, 
this would not have gone like this. And it's like, you had, there's no way you could have known, you know, like that. Like, you know, it's not like you were like, yeah, I see a pandemic coming. (laughs) You you were just following the leading of the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit knew what was coming. Right. And so that's why that's so important. But even in that, you know, what you're doing, that's why I say you share in this, you know, of what God's doing because you were sensitive just in that one moment and Mm. said, you know, did what God told you. You gave him your yes and was obedient. So yeah, then we planted and then 2020, our one year anniversary was online only. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that month was actually, uh, that year, the pandemic, the, year, the month the pandemic started into April uh, was actually our highest grossing month Wow! for the year. Wow. We took in more finances that month than the rest of the year when the pandemic started. And it was like God just showing us, you know, I got you. So even through the pandemic, you just had to find new wineskins. Mm-hmm. New way, yeah. And a new way. And at the same time, you never stopped doing the passion of your heart to help orphan care, to mm-hmm. help other needs and help the community. So that never changed. It just had to shift in how you did it. Yeah. Yeah, we had to, we did, we had to get creative. But not only that, I got to experience what it's like to have a kid with trauma in my home, locked down, nowhere to go, not going to school. Not, so I experienced that firsthand. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of things that I learned out of that that was able to help other foster mm-hmm. parents uh, in that moment. Now, it was, I don't, I don't recommend it, but, right. you know, it was a beautiful thing. It was a good suffering. I like to call it good suffering. But, yeah, in that season, you know, we really got creative. But our AV team, uh, our main AV director, Mark, one of my best friends for years, I mean, he's literally one of the best, honestly, uh, hands-down audio guys around. Uh, and he just immediately started live streaming and all this stuff came out of nowhere. I, I guess he already, already had it or whatever, but we had cameras all of a sudden set up and we started live streaming. And I mean, I looked at the quality and I was like, this is amazing. Yeah. And people started watching it and they're like, where are, where did you guys come from? Like, and they realized that we were right there, like in their neighborhood. And, they, and so as soon as we opened up, we had all sorts of new people start coming wow. because of that. It was like a great marketing tool that we didn't even realize, but going live like that, it just... You know, it started to build well, that. So touching God's heart mm-hmm. in worship, in heart, and all these things that are of concern to God yeah. has been your greatest marketing tool. Yeah. And then the resourcefulness of people coming alongside mm-hmm. have helped you advance that because you have the authenticity of God's presence. Yeah. That's amazing. So in the last couple moments, mm-hmm. to those that are listening, what would you say to those? Because you're, you know, you're a young leader. How old are you? 33. 33. So... I mean, Jesus walked into his ministry at age 30, right? Mm-hmm. So you're right in the middle of that yeah. place, that next... God's about to do something exponentially with you guys mm. because of consistency. But a lot of people see that as overnight success, but it's not. No. It's what God has been doing in you and your your wife and others around you long before it manifesting is Risen Nation Church. Yeah. Um, and I just believe God's going to do some things exponentially with you, those you're related to, of course, Mike Rosas and others, yeah. because that's really the heart of God. The underlying theme we've been talking about today is that everyone's been born for more. So what would you say right now in some closing remarks? And then I want you to pray for everyone, because there's others across the country that will say, that resonates with me. That's what I've been feeling. Yeah, yeah. And so I know you're busy, but I know that we're all busy, but you know, we want to be available to others that have that same passion. Yeah, no, kingdom is important. And, um, you know, I would say it's just like what you said, it's not an overnight thing. And so I don't think, I think sometimes people, they want the great moments, right? Mm-hmm. And we all do. We want sure. those great moments, but the majority of it is the mundane mm-hmm. moments. Yep. And it's being faithful in those over and over and a discipleship, discipline, mm-hmm. saying daily, I'm, I'm answering the call. Daily, I'm giving my all. 
daily I'm doing what God's called me to do. I'm not getting distracted, as we've mentioned, that, you know, there is a lot of that going, fear and, and apathy and, and all of these things trying to distract and take away. But, but staying focused and going after God daily and, and building towards that and giving him your yes. Uh, because the, the relationships I invested in for years, and we're talking very close friends, family, really. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, they're my family turned out to be my planning team. And they all were doing things that graphic design, audiovisual, worship leading, you know, people, uh, Pastor Vicente and Stacy, you know, I've been friends with them for several years. And so them wanting to come and literally not knowing they're not going to be making any money right out yeah. the gate said, we're going to leave a paid position to yeah. come here because we believe in the vision. Now that amazes me how you've been able to attract people that could be making money doing other things, but they want to be there with you. Yeah. And so that's, that's the thing is when you, when you know it's God, he'll, he'll provide for it. Mm-hmm. So I think what the advice I would say is, is, you know, one, make sure you know your call. You know, make sure it's God calling you. It's not just, oh, I think this would be cool because people do. They think uh, they want the bright lights and being in front of people and people listening to them. That will fade. And it's not, it's not what you think it is. And <laughs> it's pastoring is so much more than that. And uh, there's so much more suffering than you realize. Mm-hmm. And so you got to be called. But then after that, if you are called, Know that God will provide and trust his resources. Spend the resources because you know God has unlimited resources. Don't spend people. That's, oh, that's good. Invest in your people. Invest in your team. I would not be, this church would not be where it's at without our team. You've got to say that again. So, so God's resources are unlimited. Right. So spend your resources. Don't spend your people. That is so good. If we believe that, right? Because the Bible tells us that. His resources are unlimited. He's got you know, we talk about the cattle on a thousand hills, all those right, things. Right. right, but what does that translate today? Right. He's got the currency. Yeah. He's got the influence. He's got what you need. Yeah. It's why hasn't he released it to you? And so that, if we believe that, well, when he releases something to me, I'm going to invest in my people. That's when great. I have an opportunity to bless the people that have been with me from the beginning that were there for free, when I'm able to pay, you better believe I'm paying them first. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm honoring people. And because of that, we have that culture of honor. People don't want to leave. Even people, when they're being raised up and they know God is sending them out, they're like, oh, I don't want to go. I want to stay, you know, and it's like, well, yeah, but, you know, we're blessing you soon. We're still connected, but you, you got to go. I think that's what, number one, I would say is, is understand that God's resources are unlimited. If he's called you to it, he will provide for it, but invest in people. You know, we, people sometimes will invest in property first. I invest in people because, you know, again, God can give us property. And I believe he is yeah, going I, to. I, I receive that 100%. Yeah. But, you know, God can give us property, but it's the people. That's our treasure. That's the reward there is we want to invest in our people because that's when you're talking about eternity, you know, that's what we're doing. Right. And, and um, But Jesus didn't die for brick and mortar. He died for living, breathing temples of the Holy Spirit. That's right. For people that bleed. And he's, he's who he's given his life for. Amen. And so, you know, we even talked about it earlier in the session you had just led mm-hmm. about being a living sacrifice. Mm-hmm. I'd asked a group of foster dads the other day. Is, I said, we're called to be a living sacrifice. And I said, does that sound pleasant? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You know? And so I think when you understand that, that I'm willing, even when people are difficult, and we've had that, we've had disagreements on our team, but we say this one thing, we say, if you're willing to come to the table, it doesn't matter what's going on, we will get through it. Mm. But you've got to be willing to come to the table. That's good. Because I'm willing to come to the table, and we will work through it. It doesn't matter how long it takes, and I've, I've experienced this. I've gone through a dramatic issue uh, with people on our team that took seven, eight months before it really reconciled, mm. but we continue to come to the table. And at times I wanted to walk away, but God reminded me, no, I've called them here. Mm. You need them. That's good. Intentionality. So I'm not going to give up. And through that, they even told me that what really delivered me from what I was dealing with was seeing that you never gave up no matter what I put Mm. you through. And Mm. so that we don't realize that at times we want to bail out. 
So that's why I believe that 100% God will provide if he's called you to it. Mm -hmm. So first, has he called you? Cool. There's a team. There's already been one around you. God has foresight, right? He knows what he's doing. So he's already put people around you. Who are they? Identify them, you know, and really pour into them. And those those are the two things I would really I would well, say. Take, takes a moment now before you pray to tell us how can people can get a hold of you. Oh, yeah. Well, our website is uh, www.risennationchurch, all one word, dot com. Uh, so on the website, it's got all our info and all those things. And you can find us on Facebook. I believe it's facebook.com slash rnchurch. And then on Instagram, uh, it's Risen Nation Church. Now, not to be confused, we were the... Uh, we, there was only one other risen nation, and it was a church plant that was actually William Hinn, uh, Benny Hinn's, you know, a nephew, I believe, a mm-hmm. uh, small church plant in uh, Dallas. Well, they just combined with Todd White's church, and okay. they changed Todd White's church to Risen Nation. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Like two different Risen Nations. Yeah, two different Risen yeah, Nations. Yeah. So now there's this, oh, no, we're not actually that one. So I uh, deal with that with, the, with the, one of the ministries I founded in 1981. Now, a major name uses that term yeah. for his television and radio. And so, and it's a great ministry. Yeah, so yeah. I'm not competing. It's just no. that we have to explain to people it's two different yeah. groups. So if you see Todd White, who I love and is amazing, yeah, uh, yeah. if you see Todd White, that's not that's not us. Right. <laughs> uh, another great ministry, though. Yeah, risennationchurch.com, and you can see you know uh, our live stream and you know all those things. Uh, right now we're in a series uh, that I, it's one of my favorites. We do it every year around this time called Ghost Stories, the stuff mm-hmm. the Spirit does, mm-hmm. and we talk about the gifts of the Spirit. And that's what I'll say even this. I think that's been the most mind-blowing thing is seeing people come from a background very, you know, that really weren't open to the gifts of the Spirit that now I see people the next year after we go through the series, they're operating on the gifts and they're growing. And I do believe that. I believe that, you know, with good biblical teaching, like when we really really treat the Bible right, you know, and we use it responsibly and, and we really commit to what the Holy Spirit is saying, you know, I mean, people will, they'll grow and they'll develop and they'll, they'll be discipled. Well, Matt, pray for us yeah. and then I'll conclude. <clears throat> Lord, I just, uh, I thank you for everyone listening. God, I thank you for this ministry. I thank you for somebody cares uh, and, and for Doug and for Lisa and just all that they've been willing to do. Lord, every time they've said yes and what a big impact that's made. Uh, God, I pray for everyone listening that, um, Lord, if there are dreams that they've let fall by the wayside, God, that you would revive them. Um, today. God, that as they're listening, Lord, they would just have that fire rekindled. Um, God, that you would make things clear. Uh, you would make their calling clear. That, Lord, uh, like I was saying in the beginning, uh, when I was trying to follow my potential and not my calling, Lord, I pray for that. If there's people out there listening, that they're trying to follow their potential, uh, but they're not following their calling. Lord, that mm. uh, they would stop, they would respond, and they would follow their calling. Uh, Lord, I pray for those that have been called to plant churches. God, that you uh, reveal to them, God, that you have unlimited resources, that they would believe that, they would have faith in your strength, that if you've called them, you will equip them and you will provide. And you, you've probably already placed the resources around them. Maybe they just don't see it yet. So, Lord, I pray those things would manifest. Um, and, Lord, that they would step out into their destiny, into their calling. And uh, for those listening that maybe they're thinking about giving up, God, I pray just a restoration of that joy of their salvation. God, of that vision that you originally gave them of that why. Why did we get in this in the first place? You would remind them of that calling. Um, You would rekindle that fire and that passion, and they would go all in for the kingdom. God, whatever it looks like in, in their lane that you've called them to, they would do everything they can to do what you've called them to in their mission field, whatever that looks like. Um, as long as it gives you glory and it pushes the kingdom, we just we welcome it and we, we celebrate it. And we just thank you, Jesus, um, for your provision. We thank you, the Holy Spirit, for empowering, for leading, and for guiding us. And we just give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let me encourage everyone, don't live in regret, regret of what 
you can do or what you wish you would have done or if only this or if only that. Take a chance. Live the dreams that God's put in you to do. I believe in every one of us, God gives us seeds of destiny. What we need to do is connect with God, who then gives definition to and gives clarity to the things that he's put in us so we can walk in that destiny. If you need prayer today, email prayer at somebodycares.org. You can also call or text our 24-hour Somebody Cares America prayer line, 855-459-CARE. Again, that's 855-459-CARE. Share this message with a friend and subscribe for weekly encouragement and inspiration. You can learn more about the ministry of Somebody Cares at somebodycares.org. You can follow us on Facebook, YouTube, Rumble, and Twitter. We hope you enjoyed this episode of A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends and ask you to prayerfully consider supporting the ministry at somebodycares.org or by texting your donation amount to 805-422-7348. Please join us again for A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends.